Coming up next, the looking watches. Ah, whatever. I'm not even gonna let the music finish. Hey, it's a hilarious record needle scratch thing. Stopping the music. Cause I don't even think that the, I want the music to play. I'm just <laughs> depressed. Welcome to the the looking, everybody. It's like the booking, only it's the looking. <laughs> we watch great films <laughs> like Murder on the Orient Express, Shadowlands, huh. and now joining for a trifecta of triumphant. What's a T word? Triumphant. Triumph. <laughs> yeah, triumph. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. <laughs> a triumph. A trifecta of triumphant triumph. They don't deserve no, that. <laughs> It's a Wrinkle in Time, filmed by the great Ava Duven, Duv, Duv, Duverney. Duverney, I guess. Duverney. Guys, we're going to get right into it today. We're going to talk about this fine film. We went and saw it opening night. The theater was packed with, <laughs> I'm going to say, about 10 people, 20 people. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe 20, 20, 20, 20, including us. We got to see the trailer for it's a 945 showing. Yeah. Jake got out of a meeting. He was, he was, he missed the trailers. He didn't, he didn't, I don't think you sat through Sherlock Gnomes. I did not, but I have had to sit through that recently. It's bad. Anyway, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, Brandon had the great comment that they're just making movies based on puns now. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon's great comment that I enjoyed is he said, what's next? Sherlock Bones, where he's a skeleton. <laughs> That was great stuff. I thought we should recreate that for our listeners. Yeah. In fact, let's recreate right. it. Sherlock Phones. He's a Sherlock Phones. Phones. Rising Sherlock, store, uh, Sherlock Cones. He works at yeah. an ice cream place. Sherlock Tones. <laughs> he's a musician. He's a musician. Yeah, he's a musician. <laughs> Synesthesia. Uh, what, okay, we're going to recreate this. Yeah. Sherlock Drones. Oh, you want to you create everything? Yeah, sure. Sherlock Drones. That'd be good. That'd be free. Hey, we'll just re- recreate the moment. Oh, I wonder if Jake's coming. Oh, no. It's the Sherlock... Sherlock gnomes. gnomes. Oh, sh- yeah, there's gonna... sure is a lot of stuff about butts. I feel really bad about kids watching this. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, there Say, is Mankini. Yeah, there's Mankini. This yeah. is really perverse stuff. Yeah, it I don't looks like they'll make any movie based on a pun now. Nathan. Yeah. Oh, well, gee, uh, interesting. What's Comment. next? Sherlock Bones, where he's a skeleton. Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> oh. you are an amusing fellow. <laughs> I'm glad we're seeing this movie together. <laughs> Me too, Nathan. Hey, it's Jake. He missed the Sherlock gnomes trailer. Yep. No, nah, but I did get there just in time for the coming out trailer. Oh, good the, grief. I actually don't remember that trailer. What? I think maybe I was distracted or looking at my phone or something. I've heard more than one person say we saw a trailer about someone coming out. Who did it star? I don't remember. There's some kid who's in high school. It was like... Jennifer Garner. Is did, Jennifer oh, Garner was in it. And right, it was right, like, right. I'm a normal high school student, except... I'm gay. You know what? Yeah. I missed and the beginning this, of the like, trailer, and yeah. I thought this is going to be the weirdest, dumbest thing to confess in the world. I thought he was dead. I thought the premise of the movie was that he was a ghost. Oh, whoa! That's no, hilarious. that's that other movie, Ghost. <laughs> I was Six like, sense. I was like, this <laughs> sure looks like a metaphor for coming out of the closet. But I guess he's a ghost that acts exactly like a normal person. What a weird premise. Uh, it would have been a long day, guys. <laughs> no, he's gay. You're special just the way you is very clearly, you know, inspirational. It's going to be sentimental and bad. Sentimental. And... Well, I don't believe there's like a Hollywood Illuminati that's working to corrupt our... I always hate it when Christians talk like that because it's just like, who needs an Illuminati to corrupt our culture? We can corrupt our culture without some conspiracy, you know? But when I see things, especially like Sherlock Gnomes... It's it, really about... It I just, mean, so much of it is just about acclimating yeah, kids to... Yeah, normalizing it. It just feels yeah. like... 
there's an agenda. It's grooming. Yeah, it's, it's grooming. grooming. Yeah. I mean, and listen, folks. Uh, if you if you're listening and you think I'm a conspiracy theory, I don't like hearing Christians say the Hollywood conspiracy. I think that stuff's mostly pretty silly. But it's just hard to see. We saw like two or three trailers that all had the same like butt jokes, and they're all yeah. aimed at little kids. And ugh. I mean, you took Alyssa there and yeah. to see the movie. And I just sat there thinking, man, it's awful. Yeah. That she was, <laughs> man, Brandon's <laughs> a bad parent. <laughs> no, just like I just sat there thinking, Alyssa has to be subjected to this crap. To these trailers. To these trailers to yeah. get to this movie. And this yeah. is so, that in itself was bad enough for me. Like I was, I had thought I would take a kid to the movie too, except I didn't have an opportunity to. Right. Because yeah. I was coming from a meeting. But I was just glad that they weren't there to see the trailers. The trailers you know? were bad. And I had that experience most, well, Return of the, uh, the Last Jedi. Jedi. Last Jedi. Same thing, yeah. Was. Those trailers were bad in front they of that, too. They were bad, too, yeah. It was fine that Alyssa was at the movie, but it just, it sucked that... It was fun going out with Alyssa. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Nice to have her. But it, I, 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 I messed it up because I came out strong against the movie, and I knew I shouldn't do this, but I, I was just, I was I was, I was, I was, so, so filled with passion about ha- hatred of Wrinkle in Time that I expressed it. I wanted to get Alyssa's opinion before I peer pressured her by being a cool adult, which obviously I am a pretty cool adult. The coolest. <laughs> the coolest. Before we all were like, oh, this movie sucks and then of course she's gonna have to say it's terrible but in the van she told me that she kind of liked it she kind of liked it but she realized it was bad she knew it was bad she's got a head on her shoulders yeah she could tell it was bad if i may there's a neck in between that head and there's the a shoulders neck. it's a long neck anyway guys i guess we should talk about this wrinkle in time movie and <sighs> that's what we're here to do let's do some uh, donor shout outs first though hey yeah we need a gimmick what's the gimmick for today we're depressed. <laughs> yeah. Let's do the most depressed <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> donor shout outs. <sighs> Andrew and Nestor the lovebirds. Shout them out. Brandon. Andrew and Esther the lovebirds. The inscrutable Jenny Z. The inscrutable Jenny Z. Robert and Rhonda. The love, I mean, what a, the like, the together anyway, birds. Robert and Rhonda, the love birds. John and Jill. John. And little. And Jill. Baby Max. And poor little baby Max. Doomed to live in a world full of crummy children's films. <sighs> My mother Beth, the accursed womb that brought me into this, <laughs> this world. <laughs> Nathan's mother Beth. Who brought him into this world? Meh. Meh. Jay and Katie, cold cheese perhaps distracts them from their, their pain sometimes. Existential misery. Yeah. Yeah. The cheese might have mold on it. Jay and Katie, you're cold. It's cold. The world's cold. Yeah. I hope the cheese does some distracting from the it that surrounds you. <laughs> Benjamin Tiberius. Benjamin and Dana Tiberius. Nathan, not me. Nathan, not him. Best thing you got going for you right now. Yep. The yeah. Not him part. Yep. Yeah. You didn't have to see this movie. Yep. Unless for some reason you went to see it. You probably did, knowing you. But you don't have to. You don't have to see everything, man. Don't do it. You can just not see things. You don't have to, like, one day you'll be old and no one will care what you've seen. And then one day you'll die and you'll stand before the judgment seat and no one will care what you've seen. I'm, I'm just saying. He's going to watch any, everything anyway, though. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds. Eric and Catherine, the lovebirds. Dr. X. Professor X. Professor X. 
Professor X. Well, if anybody else wants to join this exciting list of donors, <laughs> what you go do is you go to the place where you distract yourself from your misery, the internet. Yep. Plug in, put on your little headset, Ready Player One. Go to patreon.com forward slash the bookening. Sign up. Give us some some of your money. Can't take it with you anyway. I don't care too much for money. Nope. Money can't buy me, love. <sighs> you know what I love to do? What? I love to talk about crappy movies with you guys. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do it. Wrinkle in time. We watched this movie. We went to the theater. We paid our money. We went. We sat down. There was a screen. They projected the movie on it. We watched the movie. We took it in. However much, I think it was under two hours. Felt like about five. It felt long. It felt long. Yep. And uh, we didn't like it. And I just want to say, I just want to be very clear about this. I went in with an open mind into this movie. I really did. Yeah. Didn't care for the book. Me too. I think we've gone on record as not caring for this book. I thought the movie looked colorful. I thought it looked fun. I didn't mind them kind of updating it. Obviously, I felt no particular fidelity to the book. So do what you want with it. Just make it colorful. Make it fun. Let it be a Disney movie. And... It wasn't. I read some positive reviews. There aren't many, but I read some positive <laughs> reviews so I could know what to look for. You know, it was good. Where to look for the good in the movie. Okay. So I came prepared based on A.O. Scott's review in mm-hmm. the New York Times to take it simply as a kid's movie and nothing else. And to appreciate the fact that they don't do any winks and nods at adults, but it's just for the kids. Maybe the reason that it came out of the gate with a 40% score on Rotten Tomatoes is because people wanted more from it than it was trying to give. Huh. Is that what he said? Well, he, he, he didn't say, I mean... He didn't put yeah. it like that. He didn't put it like that, that but he did say he did say it was clearly and unapologetically a kid's movie that had no winks and nods for adults, and he, okay. he loved that about it. He, he also loved the book, and he told a story about his second grade teacher not being able to finish the book when she read it to class because she was crying. And oh, boy. So it was a sentimental sort of thing. A.O. Scott, eh? Is that what you think, A.O. Scott? I think that, well... Can I speak to that real fast? Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people think that for a kid's movie to be for adults, it has to have clever winks and nods. No. that That's the sentiment that we have nowadays. So like, and I, we came from Shrek and all these movies like that that have winks and nods to adults. Mm-hmm. But a kid's story can be well told. And then it's also for adults. Yeah. yeah. It just has to hit the right themes. Yeah. So we're about to talk about a book that does that exact thing, Charlotte's Web. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's en- I'm enjoying it. I wish we would have kids. talked about yeah, Charlotte's Web before Wrinkle in Time, because then we would have just it would have been nice yeah. instead of just beating up on something to be able to point to the gold standard. But yeah. man, Charlotte's Web rocks. If you just to be fair, next week we're doing we're starting uh, Ready Player One, and out of the gate you're going to hear us sound a little bit cynical about it. But in fact, there are people more than one person in this room that likes Ready Player One. There's one person in this room that's not a big Ready Player One fan at all. That's right. But, <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, and you can spend There's one you can, person in this room who's right. <laughs> <laughs> you can spend the week trying to figure out who's who and what's what. <laughs> but okay, I don't know. Let's see. What's the best way to talk about this movie? Was it a good adaptation of Madeline L. Ingalls, A Wrinkle in Time? Perhaps that's an interesting question to start with. Jake, your thoughts? <clears throat> that's an interesting question <laughs> for a lot of reasons. The more good and faithful adaptation of the book 
it is the less as going for it, in my opinion. I want to say, well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But perhaps there's a way to adapt that book, cover the nakedness of the book. I'm, I'm yes, going to I think argue probably for this is. at least. That there's a way to take what's good about the book, improve upon what's bad, and make an ad- adaptation that captures the things that people rightly or wrongly that really like resonate about the with them yeah that resonate yeah and make a good movie i think i think there's a good wrinkle in time movie out there yes this wasn't it and and that's too bad i guess maybe it's not too bad because maybe fewer people will go and read that stupid book now <laughs> yeah was so it a good, a good ad- thing I, by by what standard are we judging whether or not it's a good ad- adaptation i don't know um, like, do you mean is it a faithful adaptation? Is that your question? It's not a faithful adaptation. Does it yeah. capture like if you're? It changes quite a bit. If you liked the book, yeah, would you feel that that movie had taken its essence and put it on the screen in a way it, that you? Could I would appreciate? feel that it had tried, yeah, one way or another. I mean, um, the changes it makes aren't enough to alter the story. No, like the I mean main themes that it's trying to get across. Yeah, I mean, you can only do so much in yeah. an hour and the, the change quite a bit on or the however long planet Camazot. Yes. And those changes are all really weird. Yeah. So where uh, the Camazots was just basically unreal. Right. But that's not the way it was in the book, right? In the no, book Camazots was, was a... It, well... It was a real city the, and it, they had The there. dark... It was like the ruler of Camazots, and it yeah. was its own special little planet that was under the influence of the darkness, and the darkness was everywhere right. yeah. in the book. And what they did was they made Camazots the heart of it, which is the darkness. And so then it was, yeah, it was just this unreal place instead of a place where there were real people that were... Yep. So it was all just like being on the holodeck from Star Trek. Yep. I felt like if I was a Madeline Lingle fan, because I remember reading that book as a kid. I don't know if I emphasized enough in our book episode how much I actually did like that book when I was a kid. Because I, I did like it. it. It was cool and it felt dark and strange and interesting and scary. I liked and it too. Compelling. The movie did not capture that feeling. Like the book, like it or lump it, and Brandon lumped it. It's, it was a dark and stormy night. Not mm-hmm. Brandon, not a fan of that. No, not at but all. But <laughs> the book has a certain sense of forward momentum, danger and foreboding and ominous, and there's something at stake yeah. from the yeah. very beginning. And the movie just like did not capture that at all. It felt like Ava, forgive me, how do you say her last name again? Duvernay, I, I du- think. Duvernay. She was like, I don't know, either inept or just profoundly uninterested, not disinterested, but uninterested in making a movie where you felt like what was at stake was that. It's like, you didn't, I, I, I'm trying to put my finger on why the movie felt so inert. Like, you never felt like anything was at, at stake. stake. Yeah. Like, her dad was gone and this dark thing, but you never really felt, like the whole book, you don't have to like it, but the, it is at least successful in making you feel it like propels they're, you forward. They're, they're going on an adventure. There's a mission, a quest for Camazots, well, one yeah, might I mean, say. That, maybe the best thing about the book is that it actually does propel you forward. Right. And the movie just felt like, well, we're here and we're going well, on a thing for some reason. It was just reason. all about everything going on inside of Meg. Yeah. Yes, that's what the movie is. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so the book, from the very first chapter, it's the dark and stormy night. Yes. But then they go down and they make sandwiches, and it's still storming outside, and then you have the lady come into the house. Right? And she's kind of spooky. And that's and... all in the first chapter, yeah. and so it gets you, jumps you right into the story. This one, instead, has to try and set up everything with the school and the bullies, and it basically becomes about how they're different, but really unique. Right. And their uni- uniqueness is good. 
And so that's what the th- movie's trying to pull out. But and so there's and all the that's there danger. in the book. It's there, but the danger is also there from the beginning in the book. And it's not until you I don't even know if you realize there's a villain until you finally see the cloud or the dark. Yeah, it almost felt like the, the, the bad way of making this movie better. Like, and I'm almost surprised they didn't do this, but just tack on a prologue where we hear Kate Blanchett narrating and she says, Once upon a time, there was a big, dark, scary thing that spread across the universe. Like, immediately tell us there's something at stake. This is like an adventure. Here's the stakes. Here's the evil. Here's why it's evil. You know, let's see that dark thing absorb a planet and see people screaming and cities falling or something. These are all terrible ideas, you understand, but that's the cheap, easy way of doing what some screenwriter should have done the work of, which is to make us feel like something's really at stake. So that as soon as her dad goes missing, which we know about within the first two or three minutes of the the movie, just like we do in the book, we realize like, even if we don't have it all figured out, we know that there's a bad guy out there. We know that, you know, something's at stake here. Well, yeah, what what the book is about and what the movie is about, the the not really that far off turns out meg is actually kind of awesome Mm -hmm. yeah and her superpower is that she for all her faults she loves right and she loves hard and she loves well then she can accept herself and save the day through love right lingle actually does a creditable job of showing you that yes the book compared to the movie which is just trying to tell you that over and over and over and over i think maybe you just put your finger helped me put my finger on what the movie's problem was the movie doesn't actually believe or show us that Meg has any faults whatsoever. Right. Yeah. She seems like a very well put together, and the actress she's is great. Really by the way. pretty. She's fantastic. She's pretty. She's smart. When she lashes out at the bully, the bully has been so cartoonishly mean that it feels it's, completely it's entirely justified. justified. And then she goes into the principal's office, and you don't feel like Meg should be there. Yeah. And then when she gets up and walks out, you feel like that was the, probably the right thing to do because right, the, the principal's such an inept bully. He's being yeah. abusive, like, <laughs> like he should be reported. And, like, yeah. What yeah. principal like, would... <laughs> so then the one of the major themes of the movie is Mrs. Hullabaloo, whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, Mrs. Hullabaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Not liking Meg for some reason. <laughs> yeah. But you don't understand why, so it just makes that particular character seem... Right. Foolish like, and cartoonish. If if yeah. the movie needed Meg needed to have greasy hair and feel like an outcast, she yeah. needed to have some pimples or something like yeah. that. Like and she needed to actually be awkward, like the Meg in the book is actually awkward. She yeah. needs to look and feel actually dumb instead of just be so. I mean, it, Meg in the book, she's just so sophisticated that she just doesn't. She doesn't get the simple stuff. Right. Yeah. And Charles Wallace is the same. And Charles Wallace is the same. They just their minds don't work the same way, and it's hard for them to be. But in this in the movie, you don't understand why nobody likes them. Yeah, yeah when Charles Cal- Wallace, no, they're completely like, likable. When when Calvin yeah. decides to fall in love or join up with Meg in the movie, it's just like, of course he does. He's a red blooded yeah. male. She's a pretty girl. She's smart. She's like, yeah. what what high school boy wouldn't be completely into this girl? It doesn't ever feel like yeah. Calvin's weird or interesting because he sees past. Yeah, and then he doesn't whole, see past. Then any. you have that awful scene where the teachers are talking behind Charles Wallace. Yes, and they're just like exposition about. Yeah, it's really bad. It's and, poorly written for one thing. And but. the actors can't do anything with it. <laughs> yeah. And then Charles Wallace is sitting right there, and you have no clue why anybody thinks this about him. Right. He just seems like a normal kid just sitting there drawing. He's the awkward one who doesn't want to play gym, but mm-hmm. there's plenty of kids like that. Yeah. And he's drawing. Yeah. Yeah. He's big drawing. deal. So what's he likes the color? What's strange about him? Yeah, they did it. So, so we had a little bit of an at argument. Least the, at least the book. 
There's a reason to hate Charles Wallace. Right. We're all on board with everybody who doesn't like Charles Wallace. This Charles Wallace, I thought the kid, who knows whether the kid's a good or a bad actor. All I know is that they didn't spend the time to get the right footage of the kid to trick him into, or whatever it is one does to get a good performance out of a kid. They didn't do that with this kid. So we got a lot of him just being cute and then him being petulant once he's the bad guy. But he's a likable kid. Yeah. But like you don't we we didn't have any hard harsh feelings towards Charles Wallace like we did in the book. Um, no, no. That, I mean, I think But you also didn't feel like anything was particular was at stake with Charles Wallace. You didn't understand what it was that it saw in Charles Wallace that it could exploit. Like the kid didn't seem particularly proud or preternaturally. No, exactly. That was a big failure of the movie. Is there was no reason for Charles Wallace. It made no sense. Yeah. What Unless you read the book, Wallace? you would not know. You would just think, "Oh, Charles Wallace well, ate the food first. I guess he got seduced because He had been warned about something, right? He had been warned not to do something, and then he failed to do that, and that's why. In the book or in the... In the book. In the book, yeah, it was... When he counts off with the Charles bad Wallace decides that the only way to find dad is to enter into the it, and that he thinks that he's strong enough and powerful right. enough to do it. Meg and Calvin are like, no, the missus said don't leave us, don't give in. He's like, no, I can do it. And it's his pride that gets him sucked in. Right. The movie didn't believe that he was proud or that... I really think the problem with the movie maybe is just simply that the director or the writer or the producer didn't or whoever... Didn't want the kids to have any faults. They didn't believe in the faults. Like, Madeline Langle, for all her cheesiness, has some conception of sinfulness and redemption, and this movie had none of it. Like, yeah, the kids yeah. were just beautiful, broken from the beginning, and not even really all that broken, just kind of beautiful. And so you spend, like, an inordinate amount of the time with the movie is, like the three misses telling Meg like words of affirmation. And it's like, what are they affirming? She already seems fine. Like we don't, this girl doesn't need to be told to be a warrior. She started out as a warrior. Like, well, she doesn't believe in herself, but the movie never shows us really not the girl. The actress does, isn't playing a character that doesn't believe in herself. She's just, she she plays a character who says she doesn't believe in herself. Right. But yeah. Wow. This movie is actually making the book look better. Yeah, it is. It really it is. is. In fact, the more we talk about it, the better the book looks. It's not making me sad for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, Madeline Alingle. I, I think I've just lost all hope in the world. <laughs> Madeline Alingle, we may not agree with what she did. We may not like where she was as a human being when she wrote that book, but she wrote a novel that hangs together and makes sense in its own dumb little way. Yes. The movie, I don't think, achieves that. The That's movie's right. just kind of spastic and senseless. Yeah, it's I think very you put your spastic. Finger on it. The movie doesn't hold together as any sort of artwork. Yeah, it's not it's not crafted well at all. As much as I hate to say it, <laughs> at least the book is crafted well. It it fits its own it fits with its own logic. Yeah, nobody... even though I hated that logic, even though that logic really made me mad, and even though I do think that Charles Wallace is the worst character ever written. <laughs> yeah, he's horrible. It still fits together. Yes. There was one narrative problem in the book that I remember, which is why doesn't everybody freak out when they let Mrs. Uh, What's-Her-Face, Mrs. Hullabaloo, into the house at the beginning? Yeah. Why is everyone okay with that? And the movie had the exact same scene with the exact same... They kind of tried to solve it, I guess, by having Meg say, you shouldn't just let strangers into the house. But Mom was still like seriously not freaking out like she should have been about some weird witch lady just being standing in her living room in the middle of the night. They tried to have her freak out a little bit, but in the book, she just goes... Meg's going to call the cops, and mom's just trying to find a polite way to get her out of the house, but there's no freak out. Well, speaking of mom... 
I was going to say one last thing about the whole. Yes. See, at least the book was trying to do something, and so therefore we had to take it seriously, mm-hmm. and then made me mad. Yes. Because it was what it was doing was bad, and every all that. Mm-hmm. The movie, I don't even feel like it was trying to do anything worth taking seriously. I just feel like it was bad. Yeah. So pretty much. Let's let's talk about what was good about the movie because you said the mom, and that reminded me. Mom was good. Mom was good. Chris Pine is. I mean, he doesn't have anything to do except exposition and then um, and give emotional depth to a really flat story. Mm -hmm. If there's anything that does hold the various scattered parts together, it's him. It's him. Yeah. They do flashbacks where he's with the mom and they're in love and they're working on their science and, and that, he said, that all works. He, he it really feels real. The chemistry is a really there. credible. He really loves his wife and his kids. He's and a good. Loves his he's work, a good loves. husband. He's a good yep. dad. He's a he's a good scientist. He's a believer. He's a little bit of a actually yeah ahead of things. Like is a little too excited about his work. He's the only one that feels crazy. Like the whole Wallace or Murray fam, whatever they're called, family. They all felt like that in the book. They're all way too smart for their own good and don't quite get social. Chris yeah. Pine the only one that actually feels like that. In yeah, the- and mom's sensible, and mom has, a, I think, a really great line. There was, There's one gr- good line in the movie, and it's, he goes off the rails at some talk for NASA or something like that. Trying to sell them on the idea. Trying to sell them on this great big idea. Mom is like, dude, nobody was ready for that. And he's like, when are they ever going to be ready for it? We're right. And she says, if you want to be great, it's not enough to be right. You have to actually be great. That and that line. means bringing people along. Right. Yeah. You know, and that was a good line. Yeah. It is not, an, it's not enough to be right. Yeah. You have to actually be great. That was a good line. I yeah. like that. It but felt all like- of those scenes, they had real chemistry. Mom was good. Dad was good. The scenes between Chris Pine and Meg those setup scenes were really sweet. He really interested in her, really excited about geeking out with science with her and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, he really believe that he's a good husband and yeah, so much so father. that when he has to follow the outline of the book at the end and not solve the problem for Meg, you don't really buy it. You're like, Chris Pine's a great dad. Like he should he be able do to do that. He's be, yeah, he's he should be, be able to Charles save the Wallace. day here. Yeah. He shouldn't be wimping out or whatever. Yeah. I mean, Chris Pine again, sell, even sells the wimp out pretty well and makes you not hate him because Chris Pine's just, you know, but it still feels, I already liked him as an actor, but yeah. I liked him more as an actor for the performance that he gave in this really terrible movie. I hope somebody sees him in this role and sa- and has their own good script with a dad character that they want and they're like oh we should get chris pine yeah i'd love to see him to see him move from being captain kirk or or, you know some of the other roles that he's played to being a loving husband and father was really nice Mm -hmm. like yeah you could do charles wallace not charles wallace um (laughs) yeah you could play (laughs) charles wallace Wallace. from uh something wicked this way comes yeah he'd be great as that dad actually yeah Yeah. i never would have thought that's kind of the dad he was kind of trying to play yeah he actually could give him a couple years he could play that actually pretty well that's kind of what we were wanting from that dad is for him to be the hero at the end yeah because he was playing it that way actually the movie had me hopeful from the first scene because it was him and his daughter yeah Mm -hmm. i was like wow they're actually might handle this yeah i I was hopeful for the first I was hopeful until until Reese Witherspoon showed up. That's right. And then I was like, oh my goodness. Well, I really think Ava Duvin- du- DuVarnay, I mean, I always say don't read motivations back into these people, who knows? But it seemed, just based on watching the movie, what it felt like was that she did not care about the book at all. The place, place where her heart was was with the family. Like she would have been happy to make a movie about weird mom and dad and picked on kids. And like that was the movie yeah. she wanted to make. And I think she maybe accepted the assignment and thought, well, I can do the studio thing, but 
I'm going to try and sneak my interest in. But in this case, it really felt like it never meshed and it really felt like she was uninterested in the other stuff. And yeah. so and so she just threw a bunch of CGI and colors at it. Right. Had her second unit shoot some cool stuff, uh, had the CGI people do some stuff. But and so then it just had the amount of interest she had in it. Yeah. It's really bad stuff. Yeah. Like it, yeah, you're right. It goes off the rails as soon as the misses show up. Yeah. And I mean, poor Reese Witherspoon. Poor all yeah, three poor of them. All, yeah. Yeah. I, felt, I don't feel bad for Oprah. I, right. <laughs> who does? I do yeah. a little bit because she's going to run for president in a couple of years and people are going to pull up memes of her as a giantess with a big metal Mad Max looking yeah. dress thing. She, this was like embarrassing. I didn't like watching it. I felt uncomfortable for those actresses, yeah. for the three misses. Like, oh no, they have to wear these dumb Battlefield Earth looking costumes and say these ridiculous lines that no one could say. Yeah. And they're really obviously trying really hard and they obviously in. probably love the book, probably thought, oh, this is an interesting director, probably you know, signed on with their hearts in the right place. Like, let's make something that'll really connect with kids and with people and it'll help people and affirm people and, and, and gave their trust. Got sold out. Got sold out. They just looked like idiots. I mean, there's a part yeah. where it's hard to describe, but where the special effects kids, Oprah's giant and they go by her and they brush her cheek and Oprah has to laugh a little bit. And it's it looks just like bad old, like bad CGI. It was like a like, bad TV movie. Like yeah. you're just embarrassed for Oprah. Uh, poor Mindy Kaling is a great comedian. You know, everybody, but she was great on The Office and everything. She doesn't, she's straight jacketed. She has to, she plays the dumb missus that has to say the quotes all the time, they which they give, to. they weirdly give up on halfway through, like as a mark yeah. of character development. She's invested enough now. She doesn't have to use Bartlett's famous quotations anymore. No, she was weakened sure. by she, being to on the dark planet. Okay. She's weakened enough now. She doesn't have. She doesn't use quotes anymore. She doesn't use quotes anymore. Either way, Mindy Kaling's completely straight jacketed. She doesn't get to do anything fun or be interesting in the way that Mindy Kaling can. Oh, poor Zach Galifianakis. There's a scene where they go and see Zach Galifianakis. It's supposed to be funny, and there's nothing more painful than watching a bad joke. Well, serious actors try and play like a a comedic scene, and for it to fall flat and nobody in the audience to laugh. And I know Zach Galifianakis wasn't actually there to hear us not laugh, but. I was just embarrassed. All the actors, like everybody in the scene, this is Oprah and Reese Withers, you know, all these like Academy Award winners, they're all standing on one foot and saying mumbo jumbo and it's supposed to be whimsical and fun and... Oh, it's just bad. It's just bad. Because it's confused. It doesn't know what it wants to be either because then yeah. it tries to get very serious. It's yeah, just... and Meg gives Zach Galifianakis a hug like they really it's bonded. It's supposed to mean something. It's supposed yeah. to mean something. Which is hollow. Yeah. 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 Bad. It's bad stuff. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. They should have spared Reese Witherspoon and cast a chick from Sex in the City in her place. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker, yeah. <laughs> Any one of the yeah. Sex in the City chicks, really. <laughs> <laughs> what they should have done is actually taken the witches from Hocus Pocus. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, that's what we're all thinking of anyways. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Meryl Streep. I thought that all, <laughs> yeah. three, all three of the misses, I thought, gave it their all, and I like them as actors. I mean, even Oprah, she can play a dignified... Oprah type character. She can she can do that. Which she's proved recently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's played that character a couple times publicly now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she does it, but man, 
I didn't feel like the actresses did a bad job. I just felt like they were sold out by whoever's ultimately responsible for this thing. It's hard for me to think that Ava DuVernay isn't responsible. Well, I don't know. The way what I said before we started recording, and I feel a little dicey about saying this, but it just kind of felt to me like the movie was so dramatically lifeless. There was still so little at stake. There were just story problems in the movie that Disney movies usually have higher quality control on. And I just had to wonder why she wasn't replaced with Ron Howard at some point. You know what I mean? Like Disney's been yeah. famous for with Marvel. Unapologetically. Unapologetic. Just, like we are a machine. We are a... Uh, if, you, a if you don't meet the standards, you're gone. If you can't be part of our assembly line that puts out a quality product, you can put your own magical touch in there. You can bring the things you like to it. But if it's not meeting our quality standards of a particular type, then you're gone. And I just wondered whether, because this was a black woman, they couldn't... Because yeah. think about it. If they had replaced her, they would have had a nightmare they, on their hands. Yeah. People would have That's gone right. nuts. It would have, had a, have been an uproar. A, yeah. There would have been a riot. I mean, Twitter would have... It's all people would have been talking about for days and days and days. So well, no, but nobody he, cared about the two Lego movie guys. Yeah, two white Han Solo. Lego guys. Well, you know, it was... Patty Jenkins was the first woman to have a $100 million budget, mm-hmm. yeah. and Ava DuVernay was the second woman to have a $100 million budget. And the first, and woman, the of first color. woman of color to have a $100 yeah. million dollar budget, and they made a big show of that. They really waved the flag about that, and so they backed themselves into a corner with it. And now it's going to flop, I think. It's a total flop. It's 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. There was nobody at the theater last night. Yeah. It, was, it was opening night that we saw it. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it, you know, it's a big budget film. But at it least was supposed, Disney gets to make their it, political statement. Mm-hmm. To be fair to our theater attendance, the movie was not aimed at people that generally are able to see movies at 945 yeah. on a Thursday night. So Yeah, so we'll see I'm, what I'm it sure does this weekend. We'll see what Saturday looks like. I'm sure, so still, sure it'll be packed out on Saturday. They'll, they'll have an okay weekend. They're, Disney's able to buy themselves a good weekend, but it's not going to have good word of mouth. It's not going to have legs, yeah. I wouldn't think. I, w- I was telling you I went to Barnes & Noble when mm-hmm. I had to buy this book. Mm-hmm. And I had another book in my hand. I think it was... The Great Dennis Johnson. Dennis which... Johnson. But anyway, so I had to ask somebody where these books were because I couldn't find it, uh, where The Wrinkle in Time. And so he took me to this section, which was young adult novels. And mm-hmm. he was telling me, because he saw the other book, he's like, yeah, it's amazing how many college students and like people in their 20s, they'll come into Barnes & Noble and they'll just do all their shopping from the young adult section. Mm-hmm. He said it depresses him because he used to be an English teacher. <laughs> he said, now everybody who's our age... They go and they want to buy young adult novels. Hmm. Like, and he says it's just it makes him sad, makes him depressed, right? Because that's what people are reading. Hmm. All that to say, I do think part of the audience, because I I know someone I won't name names, but I do know someone who was very excited about this movie. This person is in their mid twenties, mm-hmm. so I do think it does have a certain audience that is older than just children. I mean, I don't know. I, when I was in my twenties or whatever, I was I was excited about yeah. the Narnia movies. Yes. Yep. Until I saw the first right. one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that did put a damper on. <laughs> but but my only point in saying that is there's such a thing as a beloved children's book that uh-huh. you're happy to go back and see made a movie. Yeah, I was excited and, about the Charlotte's Web movie. Same experience with it. Yeah. Are we going to have to watch that? I just watched the old cartoon. The old cartoon was pretty good. Yeah, I remember loving the old cartoon as a kid. I didn't even remember that there was a new Charlotte's Web movie. It was bad. It's with, who plays Charlotte? Dakota Fanning or somebody. Dakota Fanning plays whatever the little girl's name is. I think that was when Dakota Fanning still was actually a a little girl. Yeah. I forget who plays Charlotte. Fern. Fern. 
I was thinking the same. I was like the same place you were. Fan, yeah. Fanny, Fan, Fern, Fern. Well, had a yeah, Mansfield Park. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Fern, Fanny. But what else to say about this movie? I just, I almost want people. Don't, don't go see this movie. Save don't spend money. any money on it. But don't waste your time. If you're interested in seeing it, what I think you'll see is a movie that's weirdly bad. Like I thought it was fascinating how lifeless this movie was. There was just no tension in it, no drama, no action scenes. Like it's incredibly sentimental. Yeah. Like I'd say, yeah. Here's the thing that I would say, don't make the mistake that a lot of people make, which is I teared up at multiple points in the movie because I can't help myself from entering into even the most, Mm -hmm. the schlockiest of sentimental schlock, but I still hated the movie. It was still a terrible movie. Yeah. Yeah. And what you can't do is make the mistake of thinking if you feel a little moved at any point in time that that means the movie's good. It's not. Well, I'm the kind of person that'll tear up at a Coke commercial. Inevitably, every Super Bowl, there'll be some commercial about, oh, the immigrant came and, you know, there'll be something like that, one of those tear jerkers, and they'll get me. This movie did that. I mean, there were parts where I teared up a little bit just because I'm I'm a sap like you are, Jake. But I was surprised by how many times it didn't and it should have. Like, I was just like, if this had been handled any It could any have been devastating. Better, it could have been devastating. Yeah. When, when Chris Pine reunites with his daughter spoilers for anyone that's living under a rock or doesn't know how stories work or have a rendering girl of time okay i'm a little misty but it would be so easy to just kill me with this scene yeah and you didn't yep because nothing's at stake nothing matters and man i just i thought it was a weirdly bad movie i'm surprised they let it out without major resuits without just there's no action like even the kind of cheap exploitative thrills that you would think that a, like a producer, a cigar chomping evil Harvey Weinstein producer would just say, well, your movie has to have, you can do whatever you want, but your movie has to have such and such amount of special effects, action, whatever. The movie didn't even have those things. It didn't have I mean, stuff. they tried with the Camazot's changes. Yeah, but like the first sort of exciting scene where they're running for something doesn't happen until, I don't know, maybe two thirds of the way through. Yeah, like. Before that, it's just people talking, and yep. there's this really goofy scene where Calvin falls off the leaf unicorn lady, and then some, they get some flowers to rescue him, and it's like you're suddenly watching something from Wizard of Oz, and it's just tonally a mess. Uh, I don't know. I think this movie will go down in history as a weird movie that people puzzle over what happened. Maybe we'll find out after a couple of years. Somebody will come clean. Maybe Ava DuVernay will eventually her relationship with Disney will sour. Maybe the movie won't make any money. Her relationship with Disney will sour and then she'll be able to be honest about... Tell the whole story. Tell the whole story about what happened, which I think would be infinitely more fascinating than... The story that was told. The story that was told in the movie. Because it was just like, I don't know how you... Like, we could make a better movie, and I'm not saying anything about us, but if we had all the same tools at our disposals, we would at least make sure that the movie had enough of the kind of things that we know people like. Like, a cynical, bean-counting... Hollywood accountant type person could make this movie better by just being like, okay, it needs a little action. We need to make sure that the stakes are clear. We need to just really simple stuff that they didn't do. I'm not sure what happened. Yep. What's his face as uh, the red guy? He, he did a fine job. The red guy? Yeah. The guy with the red eyes, the, yeah, the who puppet master or whatever. The I don't know. He's in he's in like Ant-Man and... Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, he's fun. The, actually, the, there's this little... I will say one other good thing about the movie. There's a little chunk of it I liked, which was when they first got to Kamazots and things kind of picked up. When they go into the creepy town where everyone's conforming, that was 
fun, kind of captured a little bit about the book. Then they abandoned that idea and did some weird beach thing. But even the weird beach thing was kind of colorful and interesting. When I walked into the theater with my hopes up, I think I was hoping for that movie, like a movie with just a bunch of weird, colorful stuff yeah. in it. So if you watch the trailer and you're like me and you think, oh, maybe at least I'll get something colorful and weird and kind of off kilter, you won't. Yep, Not just... in an entertaining way, except for maybe for a little 10 minute chunk there towards the end. Not enough to redeem it, though. No, not enough to redeem it. And once they get to it, and you know the old, the final showdown. I mean, they don't even they don't even make it clear that Meg is good at physics. Yeah, it's hinted at. <laughs> well, well the, the the way that they try to to get that is the most incredible. <laughs> ca- she says something about velocity, right? Like what she's yeah. gonna she's mm-hmm. measured the wind speeds yes. and of this yeah. uh, and tornado on yeah. this strange planet, <laughs> and she's gonna be able to calculate which tree stump to hide in and it's gonna yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it was dumb it's basically that's absurd it's, you don't even it's yeah. the nuke the fridge scene from Indiana Crystal Jones Skull. yeah where he jumps into the fridge and the it shields him from the thing and it goes bouncing and yep. instead of his skull being turned to pulp he's fine it's it's they do that exact scene yep. as far as things you can rip off from Indiana Jones I can think of about 10,000 other things they should have ripped off from that's Indiana right. Jones instead of that yeah that's right um, should have even gophers CGI gophers or Shia LaBeouf swinging with monkeys behind him. <laughs> that would have really improved this movie. <laughs> army ants Shia eating LaBeouf everybody. Yeah, army ants. ants. Just eating everybody and then that's it. It's the only scene you get. Shia LaBeouf should have been in this movie. He should have played Calvin. He should have played both Calvin and Mr. It should have just, Shia LaBeouf yeah. should have just played every male character in this movie. I think it would have been drastically been improved. Fantastic. So yeah, the, the movie had the budget and it had the talent in the actors yep it's all the fault of the director or some or the producer or some, or somebody it's either some part of the machine or it's the Verne herself yeah. one way or another i have no idea but yeah something happened weird uh, weird movie so what are the takeaways uh meg was good that actress uh, whatever her name is she deserves to go on to a long and lustrous career i Probably. wish I, I wish yeah 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 she was great i wish i I don't know that I've seen another DuVernay film. I haven't seen Selma, which is her big one. Having seen, I mean, I've seen, you know, we talked about, I guess that would have been for Sound of Sanity. Yeah. But we talked about Black Panther. Having seen Ryan Coogler's other films, I feel like I had a good grasp over what was Coogler and what was the Marvel machine. Right. Just can't, don't know enough to say about. I've never seen a DuVernay movie. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting. I don't know. It's hard for to me. This is the kind of movie where it's hard for me to believe. I know I keep saying this in different ways, but studio should have interfered. Like studio interference, it feels like could only make this movie better because there's just like kind of sorry the kind of ways that studios tend to interfere. Yeah, give it some more action. Give it. No, there's not enough action here. No, you need more. You need a CGI monster or something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There needs to something really exciting battle scene. Yeah. First act needs a big stuff like that. Like the movie needed all those kinds of notes. Why wasn't there some evil, cynical producer <laughs> ruining this movie? I really don't understand. Well, they tried. Uh, I guess. So uh, does um, no no looking seal of approval? No, nope. The the L it. the L S O A. The nope. only thing better about this movie than the book is that it only took an hour and 40 minutes to get through. Yeah. That's the only thing better. I would argue that if you read the book, no one forces you to watch the Sherlock Gnomes trailer before the book. Uh, That's true. That's true. You could show up to the theater late though. Yes. Like I did. Just have a meeting like Jake did and slink into the movie after Sherlock Gnomes. And that's probably your best bet at a wrinkle in time experience that's innocuous. Two best things about the... The movie. It's an hour and 40 minutes long instead of reading a whole book. You can appreciate, really appreciate 
what uh, Chris Pine can do with nothing. Yes. And uh, yeah, a good the actor. depth to his acting skills and the actress, the young actress, I don't know her name. Me neither. Who played Meg. She was great. She was great. And she's going to, yeah, he, she should go on to have a great career. I can't imagine she's not going to Already be a cast star. in about five other yeah. films. Yeah. That, yeah. Let her get a little bit older and she'll have her like her own superhero franchise or at least be a superhero's girlfriend or something. Yeah. I mean, she's just like. she do whatever she wants. Yeah. She plays her cards right, probably. Yeah. And Chris Pine, people making good movies need to cast that guy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. He's fantastic. Have you guys seen Hell or High Water? I haven't. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I've, I want to. I haven't tried to watch White Pines or whatever this follow-up, Wind Talker, Wind, Wind River, and I only got, made it about five minutes in, and then I was like, this looks dumb. But maybe if I'd made it further, I would have liked it better. I don't know. Anything else to say about this film or the wonderful world of Madeline L. Engel before we move on to Ernest Klein? Nope. Good riddance. I guess that's what I have to say. Good riddance to bad rubbish. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's a question. I will add. Final question and we'll be done. Warhorn Media had somebody write to them privately, was talking about, they were very nice and they actually liked our episode last week, but they said A Wrinkle in Time meant a lot to them for various reasons. Yeah. Should, should that person, the book, they, they said the book specifically had meant a lot, helped them, helped them and their kids through a messy situation, all this stuff. Should that person see A Wrinkle in Time? Somebody just likes Wrinkle in Time. Should they see the movie Wrinkle in Time? I don't have any problem with somebody going to see the film if the idea is that you want a foil for processing that inexplicably disappears because he's drawn away by evil forces and you need a way to, to process that, there there are lots of better ways to do that mm-hmm. than A Wrinkle in Time, but I don't begrudge you if that's what you stumbled upon or if that's what you had and if you want to see the movie. You should probably just watch The Iron Giant instead yeah. or any number of children's movies where one or more parents have gone missing and we have to deal with that or aren't around for whatever reason. So, uh, yeah. The Iron Giant. You could watch that. You could watch The Iron Giant. I think probably most people that... I'm just going to take a wild guess. I think probably most people that like the book will be disappointed by the movie. The book feels compelling and kind of dark and cool and otherworldly, and the movie just feels like lame and boring and like a TV movie. Well, and if part of the problem is that dad failed and screwed up, first by disappearing and then by whatever, and Meg has to save the day, Chris Pine's too lovable to give you that. Yeah. And if you want a movie to help you deal with, oh, you're an angry, angsty kid with a lot of faults, this movie actually doesn't do a good job of that. There are no angry, angsty kids with faults. There's only wonderful kids. It's a weird movie, folks. It's a weird movie. (sighs) No LSOA, huh, Brandon? No LSOA. All right. Sorry, Wrinkle in Time. Better luck next time when you get remade in, you know, 10, 20 years. (laughs) Never, never. That's what they never do. They never do that. They, I always think they should, they remake really popular movies that did well and that were done perfectly the first time. What they should do and is they, they should be and like, they sell them short. Yeah. The remakes. But instead they should be like, this movie sucked the first time. It had kind of a cool idea, but they didn't get it right. Let's remake that. But of course that's not valuable IP. So why would they do that? Yeah. IP stands for intellectual property. If you're not someone that knows that.
The booking did, er, nope. The Lookening today was written and produced. Written and produced. I wrote everything. That's right. Actually, Every everything I word. said. Yep. I was reading just the reading script. the script. The yep. character of Jake and Brandon, are, they're so, I think I really bring them to life today. You understood what they were and all that kind of thing. I'm, I dare say I'm uh, Mad- the Madeline L. Engel of my time. You felt Brandon's angsty uh, yep. anger at his dad and That's right. all that kind of stuff. No, Brandon loves his dad. Yeah, uh, Nathan is my name. Jake's his name. Brandon's his name. We're the Bookening team and happy we are to be it. You support us on the internet by going to at the Bookening, finding that on your very social various social medias. You can look up Jake at at Jacob Menzel, me at at Nathan Alberson, at not famous Nathan actually. And you can support us at patreon.com forward slash the Bookening if you'd like to give us money. If you don't want to give us money, but do also want to support us, then why don't you go to Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts and write us a nice five-star review, and uh, which Brandon will now tell you exactly what to say in that review. Will I? Yeah. The bookening's the best. Listen. That's all you need, folks. That's all you need. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, we'll be back with Brandon Chastine's favorite novel, Ready Player One. Are you ready, Player Brandon? I kind of have to be. (laughs) 